We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. Christy Winter-Scott here with my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. We are sitting courtside on the Her Hoop Stats podcast network so much to talk about as always setting courtside with you Gabe Madlinson the Mystics game they're back because everyday dominance EDD is back but Tina Charles is out oh my gosh but Tina Charles went out I you know we were just trying to get it right here in DC (laughs) yeah it's been one of those seasons I think a lot of the teams that we're going to talk about today um, because if you missed our last podcast, we did the top six teams in the WNBA standings. Today, we're going through the bottom six teams, which I think is, is a little harsh of a of a moniker for them, but it's the best way to, to, to you know uh, categorize them. But yeah, I think for a lot of these teams, and Washington especially, is like it's one step forward and two steps back, and they've been fighting this headwind all season long of injuries, you know, uh, turmoil inside the teams, the, um, you know, j- just a bunch of different dynamics at play that are kind of pushing against them and making these teams work harder. And yes. I think that's when we get into each of these teams, that's what we're going to see with all of them, because I, I think every single one of these, the, the six teams, Los Angeles, Washington, New York, Dallas, Indiana, Atlanta, all have somewhat of a similar story. Um, but four of them still have a chance at a playoff spot. Um, But I did want to let people know that I've done my, you know, net rating, offensive rating, did my scheduling, did all of these statistical research using her hoop stats, Uh, go to herhoopstats.com, $20 a year. You get a great resource for understanding not only the WNBA, but women's basketball at large. And you should follow at her hoop stats on Twitter to keep up with everything we're doing on the newsletter and for updates on the sites, because uh, our, our team of, of people who do the site stuff 
which I'm not even sure how to categorize them because <laughs> I don't understand any of this, um, do some really cool stuff and, and make some really cool features all the time. And you can follow me on Twitter at Gabe underscore Ibrahim to keep up with all of my stuff. Uh, and you can follow Christy on Twitter at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-W, Scott, five, one on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on there the all gram. the time. <laughs> on the gram. gram with the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but yeah, so let's let's talk about Washington. Let, let's talk about Washington because uh, they look, it, it feels like a brand new season in a way for DC. Yeah. They beat the Sparks last night, 78 to 68, they were up by as many as 30. Uh, early in the third quarter, Landeldon looked incredible, an absolutely yeah. wonderful performance from her. Um, so what did you see last night from Washington, and what does it make you feel like they're going to do for the rest of the season? Well, first of all, I saw toughness. And, I, and not that that wasn't always in place, but you can be tough, but then, you know, it's not sustained and it's not, you know, the confidence isn't with the toughness, if that makes sense. Both were there last night, especially in that first half. And we'll talk about the second half in a minute, but that <laughs> first half was absolutely phenomenal in terms of efficiency and understanding the assignment on both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, Washington, they got the stops necessary to push at the pace they wanted to. They took L.A. out of everything that they wanted to do, and that was to turn the corner, to get into the paint. I know that um, Neka Gumake did not have the game that she wanted. She didn't get to the free throw line, and I know that's why Derek Fisher ran to basically half court and three long Bugs Bunny steps. Uh, but And it's frustrating, and I get it. But I, I just thought that L.A. was settling for shots, um, contested threes rather than, you know, working the defense down, massaging the defense, and then attacking. But give Washington credit for just really staying the course on the defensive end. But on the offensive side, I mean, they were just so well-connected. And to see Elena Deladon play with that toughness and confidence, you know, after the Seattle game, that first half, she had those two points um, and ended up with 16, but it was, it was a different level for her. I think after that game, I think she wanted to see what her body felt like. And I think she was pleasantly surprised at her recovery after the Seattle game Mm -hmm. on Sunday. And I think she knew then, Hey, I'm good. I'm going out there and I'm going to just, just go with it. And, and not try to gauge so much while I'm playing. And she said as much after the game. She was like, am I good? Yeah, I'm good. Like, you know, I think, you know, it's like this running dialogue that she has with herself in terms of her physical play. Now, on Sunday, we had the pleasure of seeing both Tina Charles and Elena Deladon on the floor together, mm-hmm. which had only happened in the Rio Olympics in 2016. And speaking of 16, Mike Tebow knew that it was only 16 minutes that Tina Charles and Elena Deladon played together on Sunday, unfortunately, for them and for all of us um, who have been waiting to see them play together. But, I mean, a 30-point lead in that first half was just quite something. It was an avalanche of offense created by their fantastic defensive pressure. 
Yeah, no, they, they were super connected. Um, and I do want to get into why that was, but I, I totally forgot to give any of the statistical analysis that I was bragging about at the beginning of the podcast. So the Washington Mystics are currently 9-14. and 14. Did I get that right? Yes, they are. So they are 9-14. and 14. They are 10th place. Uh, they are game back of both the Los Angeles Sparks and the Dallas Wings. They are two games back of the New York Liberty. Their uh, net rating is negative 3.7 points per 100 possessions. That's the margin per 100 possessions. That's what rating means. It just means per 100 possessions rather than per game. Um, so that is eighth best in the WNBA. Their offensive rating is 98.3, which is good for seventh best in the WNBA. Their defensive rating is 101.9, which is good for 10th in the WNBA. And this was their first win against this game against LA was their first win in their last five games. And their schedule going forward is um, up and down. You know, they have two games against Dallas. They have Connecticut. They have another game against Seattle looming. They have one game against Atlanta, which you'd expect them to win. And then they, you know, they, they finish off the season with three huge games against Chicago, New York and Minnesota. So that's where the, the Mystics are sitting. But I thought it was interesting last night that you mentioned that defensive connectivity. They had connectivity at the beginning of the game for a lot of for for in on all on both sides of the ball. And that's because, you know, you look at the starting lineup and guess what? All of those players played together in 2019. It, it was Natasha Cloud, Ariel Atkins, Tori Walker Kimbrough, Maish Hines Allen, and Alea Deladon. And after the game. Um, in, our, in the media, in the press conference, Mike Shines Allen said, you know, we looked around and, and we said, this is the OG squad. This is this is the group <laughs> that, you know, we've all been together for so long. And, and for this team in the last two seasons, that just hasn't been the case. And look, right. you know, we, we desperate. This team needs Tina. Tina is going to be out for. Uh, T, uh, Seto is going to be at least a couple of games. She has a gluteal strain that she's been trying to work through, uh, suffered it in the Phoenix game, re-aggravated it in the Seattle game. So she's going right. to have to work through that uh, over the next week or so. And, and this team needs her because she's playing at MVP level. But it, it was so just – it was heartwarming from uh, – from I guess the fan perspective of seeing just oh, this team course. come back together, and then from the basketball perspective, they just knew where they where they had to be. They knew they had, where they had to hit their spots. They knew they trusted everyone to get uh, in the right place. And having Elena Deldon playing like Elena yeah. Deldon, she was plus okay. thirty six, plus thirty six in seventeen minutes in a ten point win. Seventeen Incredible. minutes plus thirty six. That's mind blowing, man. I. I you know, but are we surprised? I mean, this no. is who she is and well, what she has done. I mean, she's the only two-time MVP in WNBA history. I, that blows my mind as well. Are you are you not surprised? I I'm, I'm not surprised that she could do this. I just thought, as a normal human being, you know, to a certain <laughs> extent, right? Like all of these players in WNBA are superhumans. If you really think about it, like absolutely, as a normal person thinking about okay, I, I haven't played a game in 600 days. I haven't right. been on the court. Like, we see players come back from an offseason and still have to work their way back in. And for Elena, it's felt like she has just come in and, and hit the ground running. And that's such a testament to her work ethic and rehab and the rehab schedule that the Mystics and her doctors have put together. And, and that is that should not go unnoticed. They have done a great job getting they her have. ready for the season. So are, are you really like, I, were you really just expecting her to come in gangbusters like this? 
actually, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I was definitely watching, you know, I, I was watching everything about her in terms of, you know, the, the differences in how she was moving mechanically. Mm-hmm. I know she's been working hard on how she lands. Um, I think I mentioned it on the broadcast for the Mystics LA game that, you know, there were a couple of instances where she boxed out, but she didn't go and get the ball. Yeah. But she knew her teammate who was close by was in position to go get the ball. And I just thought, well, she not comfortable with going to get it. Like she's going to hold you off and mm-hmm. she's in the way and she's making contact, but I didn't see her like go up and get it. So I'm like, I don't know if that's another part of the adjustment of, um, of learning her body and, and the mechanics of having two back surgeries and all yeah. of the things that they're teaching her to do, which is like sit differently, walk differently, mm-hmm. jump differently. Um, at halftime, um, she was using that resistance band and pivoting, you know, nice and low. And, and you could tell all the things that they have been really methodically going over with her in terms of her, her physical training and rehab. So that was pretty impressive to see. And that's intriguing to watch as the game unfolds. No question about it. But in terms of her recovery, the fact that she said that she felt better than she thought she would. And, and Coach Tebow said the same thing prior to the L.A. game that she recovered well and probably better than she thought she would you know, feel after that Seattle game. So, like you said, I mean, she missed 600 plus days uh, of playing professional basketball. And then now she's played two games in the last three days <laughs> and she's going to play another game tomorrow. So, you know, this is this is the test. It's a gauntlet of games um, for the league right now, having these every other um, day games. And it's very playoff like in that regard. So it's going to prepare them for that. But Elena Deladon, uh, she's just a special breed. And everyone knows that um, on and off the floor. I mean, she had on her Wrigley, you know, her shoes last night were Rasta and Wrigley, her dogs. She had those shoes made by Nike and and we were showing them on, on the broadcast. I mean, she just is so um, inclusive, I guess, is the best way to say yeah. that. And um, in every way, like she's just team first mentality and she knows that the team depends on her. And, you know, I just love the fact that the team as a whole, I mean, going against a team like L.A., who 23.3% of the time, thanks to her hoop stats, um, per 100 possessions, they turn teams over Yeah, in the WNBA. They're first in the league and turning teams over at a high volume. And now for the Mystics in that first half, Gabe, they only had three turnovers. And there was a 13-minute span in that first half where they had zero turnovers to close that first half, which is why they had that 30 point lead and things changed. Yeah. In that I was about to say, why, why you only, ca- why, why are you only <laughs> can talk about the first half? No, it's because it was good. <laughs> it's good basketball in that first half in terms of taking care of the ball. The second half, you know, LA was like, this is, this is not who we are. And they started getting yeah. in gaps and there goes Brittany Sykes. Oh my gosh. There goes E Weezy, Erica Wheeler off to the races the other way. And I'm like, Hey man, listen, like that lead evaporated pretty quickly for the well, mystics in the second half. And we got to talk about that because that's been a huge problem for this team. Since coming back from the break, they have built up leads in, in pretty much all of their games. I don't think it happened against Phoenix, but against Las Vegas, 
um, and Seattle, they built up leads in the in the first half against these excellent teams. It was a 20-point lead against against Vegas in the first game back from the break, and it fell apart in the second half, and that's a huge problem. Uh, and it was interesting, I was telling you before we got on, um, that Mike Tebow was was he wanted someone to, to ask him about that second half, and I, I, I did um, as he was leaving the press conference, and he was like, I haven't talked to my team like that in a long time. Uh, he was apparently got to the locker room before them to Oof. sit them down and tell them what their, their effort in the second half was simply not good enough. Um, and, you know, it's just something because, as you mentioned, they only had three turnovers in the first half. Well, they had 12 turnovers in the second half. And that 30 point lead evaporated into a 10 point lead. And it wasn't really in danger because they, you know, they had built it up so much and they were pretty good at the beginning of yeah. third quarter. But as the game yeah. wore on, you could see. I, I don't know. And the team doesn't know either. I asked, I asked everyone on the team. They said, we don't, we don't necessarily know what's happening right now. Is it, loss, is it losing focus? Is it, you know, getting tired? Is it, you know, what, right. what do we need to change here to make sure that we continue in the second half? Because that's right. been a huge problem. And that's, yeah. and to, to me, that's if Washington doesn't make the playoffs, it's because of that. It's because they aren't keeping focus in that second half. Um, so, Christy, if you could put your coach hat on for a second, I don't know if you ever take your coach hat off. But I if you don't. Could, so, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> what? What do you? What? How do you? How do you fix a, a team that in the second half falters as often as the Mystics have? Or how would you try? Well, yeah. First of all, knowing that that the coach got into the locker room before the team, that's always going to be an earful. Me knowing that full well, I I know. You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to the coaching staff before I go in to see if they saw what I saw, look at the stats, da-da-da-da. But if you march right in there after the game, listen, win or lose. And I think some people are, you know, especially these days, and I I may be showing my old schoolness, um, but these days I think a lot of people view it like, well, you won the game go have some ice cream and come back tomorrow for practice. And for me, I can't do that. <laughs> and clearly Mike Tebow cannot do that. And it's, you know, the fact that, that we both can't do that um, is that we hold the game in high regard and the integrity of how the game is played. Yes, you won on the scoreboard. You scored more points, but did you really win? Um, you win when you play your game and sustain that level of focus and intensity for the entire contest. And that's the challenge of it. It sounds very simple, but I know during the broadcast, I mentioned to Megan McPeak, I said, you know, when LA started turning Washington over in that third quarter and getting off to the races and finishing in transition, I said, you know, you cannot look up at the scoreboard if you're Washington and think, well, we have this big lead, one possession, it's not gonna matter. And on the flip side, you can't look up at the scoreboard if you're L.A. and say, mm-hmm. look at us. We're in this big hole. Let's just go through the motions and forget this game and get on to the next. Like both teams needed to stay within the lines and continue to fight for the game plan, continue to fight for each other, stay connected, stay in attack mode, not let up, keep your foot on the gap, all of that. And I think for Mike to go into the locker room and – let them know that hats off to him 
Mm-hmm. Hats off to him for that. I, I am in full 1000% agreement into holding players accountable to be their best. And their best doesn't mean excellent, no mistakes, right? But it doesn't mean continue to let up. Like right. you cannot do that because if they didn't have that 30 point lead and it was a 15 point lead, guess what? Now you're in a situational game that you had full control of and they don't have time to be messing around. And it's, it's playoff push time. Okay. And people could say, well, that's a little early. It's not. Okay. No. These games are on the docket. These games are for the taking. The, these games are playoff games. They're playoff games and all opportunities to, to move yourself into the top eight. And that's what you want to do. And they got the tiebreaker, you know, coming into that game, split 1-1 with L.A. So now they hold the tiebreaker over L.A. And now they have Dallas coming in. So guess what? How far did you say they were behind? They are one game game back. They're one game back of uh, Dallas and Los Angeles. That would put them into a tie for the last playoff spot, the eight seed. Um, I mean, look, like like I just said, these are all playoff games. When you're 8 and 14 and you need to get to 14, 15 wins to make it, these are playoff games. This is not playoff race. This isn't playoff atmosphere. You no. want to these are playoff games. These are they're almost must win, you know. I'm not I don't I don't we we use must win too much, but at this point, you know, you got 10 games left. You're going to need to win 6 or 7 of them. Yeah. It, it, it's getting to the time. So, I agree. I mean, you know, they they just have to figure out a way to keep that urgency. In the first in the That's first it. half, um, I think you know having a full complement of players um, will help with that. Obviously, when Tina comes back, they'll be able to move Shatori Walker Kimbrough to the bench. Shatori Walker Kimbrough, who the WNBA stats website has listed as the starting center for this game, which is hilarious. Funny, <laughs> 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 which is hilarious. The moving her to the bench is huge because you know she came in and she was she's immediately someone that Tebow can trust and put her in. Yes. Erica McCall. Is getting she she posted on Twitter getting used to that knee brace looked really good. Um, yeah, she did. And then you know we, we they need something from you know one of Plaisance, Weiss, Mitchell, Shavante Zellis gave a lot of energy in the second half. I don't know how much I trust those players on a night to night basis, but and just need one of them to show up each night, and then this right. team can really take off. Um, so. You know, I, I I believe, you know, we're around the Mystics so much. That's tough for us to say that we don't believe in them because you get to know these people and uh, they yeah. work. They work so hard. They really understand the game and they're really all about it. So it, it's hard for us not to believe in them. But Landaldon fixes a lot of the problems yeah, um, she does. She does. for them. But I do, so Man, that I, no look pass. That Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. The no look pass was amazing. That was, that was mean, incredible. Stuff. I I almost fell out of my chair up there, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I wanted to I wanted to shift over to the Los Angeles Sparks because that's the next team that we got to talk about. Um, let me give you their vitals. So they are 10 and 14. As I mentioned, their net rating is negative 5.4. That is the ninth best net rating in the league. They are dead last in offensive rating at 90.1. Their defensive rating is 95. 0.5, which is fifth best in WNBA. They were fourth best before last night's game, um, which is interesting because they didn't give up that many points, but whatever, math, that's how it works. Um, right. <laughs> they Going forward, uh, that was their first loss since coming back from the break. They had won four straight games. 
And now the real meat of their schedule takes hold, and it is a doozy. They play Connecticut twice. They have a game at Indiana. Then they go at Minnesota, home for Connecticut, home for Seattle, at Atlanta, at Dallas in the last game of the season, which might be for the playoff spot. Really tough road ahead for Los Angeles, but I wanted to touch on something you mentioned. Um, Neke Gumake has only had five free throw attempts so far coming back from the break. Um, that's insufficient uh, from my mind. I would say the refs last night, with all due respect, were terrible. They, they were they were inconsistent. They didn't call anything. They let a lot of contact go, and then they would not. They would call some other small contact. I think a big it was a big detriment to Neka Gumake because she plays so physical that if you're gonna let people just maul her, it, it's it's tough for her to get a foothold on the game. And I think that's, yeah. to a certain extent, that's what happened. And credit to the Mystics for understanding that, hey, we can make contact in the beginning. Because Los Angeles did it too. The, those, those, right. look, Los Angeles has a mean defense. They were getting up into you and creating a lot of contact. But for NECA, she's been, she's been really good since coming back. Last night, tough game. So really, my question is here, when NECA isn't, having a tremendous game when NECA isn't playing at that sort of MVP level that we saw in, in 2016, right. where does this team go? Do they have enough juice behind her to get into the playoffs? That's a great question because, you know, she's going to have to manufacture some offense from the line period. I mean, you said five free throws attempted five, yeah. in the five last free throws in five, five games. games and five games. And, and um, I believe it was over 165 minutes um, span. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you have that lack of um, extra help offensively, right, where you're not getting banged around, where you can get yourself to the line eight times minimum, minimum, okay, um, that's four times getting touched up. And I think she, you know, she, she can get herself to the line four times, um, you know, under the rules. So – I just think that that's why Derek Fisher, like I said, uh, was irate mm-hmm. um, on that one possession where she was going in and, and got bumped. I mean, it was physical, but she created some of that contact too, but nothing was called and she missed the shot. I know she hit the deck a couple times too um, after shooting. I, I, you know, but do they have enough around her? Um, that's a tough one because offensively, I just thought, like I said earlier, that L.A. was taking some really mm-hmm. low percentage shots, Tough shot. contested, contested fadeaway threes. And I'm like, wow, like without testing the defense, um, I just thought what they did in game two, that they beat Washington by seven out in L.A. back in June. What they did well in that game was penetrate the paint. And I know that Mike Tebow going into this game, game three of the series of these two teams, he said, hey, we've got to limit them getting the ball into the paint. And whether that's entry passes, we've got to put pressure on the guards uh, when they're trying to get the ball into the post. But we also have to pressure them and turn them away from the elbow area and not allow them to do that. And they did that very well um, in that first half in particular, obviously with that big lead. But I don't know if they have enough consistent offensive production. Like Taya Cooper in game two, she had 26 points against Washington. Did not get that from her in game three. I think it's just there, there's, there's got to be at least three 
consistent, consistent mm-hmm. double figure scores, um, including NECA, um, for them to be able to to have a, a solid run at the playoffs. And, you know, they had those four games that they won after the break prior to losing to Washington. They were on a four game win streak coming in. But in those games, they were in in the hole. They were down 15, 11, you know, and they came back in overtime win against Atlanta, one possession win against Atlanta, and, mm-hmm. and they fought for those wins, but they got that done with their defense, see? And those teams didn't have 30-point cushions like Washington did, but they still have the understanding that their defense is going to save them. So yeah. in that regard, I think they have enough if they can be consistent with their defensive energy which they showed in that second half and got back into the game with Washington. But again, they need some, some help for NECA in terms of having consistent scores around her, like on a nightly basis and not what you're averaging, not your average, what you are doing on a consistent nightly basis offensively for the team. That's, that's what we're talking about. Well, it's, it's really hard to beat good teams when you're one dimensional. Um, and, and one dimensional, I mean, and, and like you can only play defense and, and really it's um, their defense. I, look, let, let's take a second here to say how good their defense is. Their defense is really excellent. They run a bunch it of is. different pick and roll co- coverages. They're in your face. They are nasty. They block shots. Brittany Sykes is all over the place for getting blocked shots. Yeah, they love it. They feed off that defense. Um, and it's and it's great. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from their defense, but offensively. You need to have a little bit more creativity, um, especially right. if for whatever reason Neka Gumake is not going to get foul calls. You got to take her. You got to take her out of the post. Put her on the three point line. Let her drive. She's great at this. You know, let her yeah. drive. Put Shanae in the post with a high low action with Neka and Shanae. I don't, I don't think I saw that. You know, I, no. I, there's there's a ton of different ways to attack this. You have Christy Tolliver. I mean, Christy is getting up there in age, by the way, congrats on Christy for getting the Dallas Mavericks assistant uh, coaching job. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Uh, one of our favorites here on the, on the podcast. Um, yeah. And Christy is, you know, a basketball savant. She does insane things on the court. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, but it's all, it's all very creative and flowing. And then in this system, it just kind of feels stagnant offense. I actually wrote here a mean note that they're running the clogged toilet offense and they are, they're just like, right. It's just like, yeah. here's a post, here's a post up. Okay. The post up didn't work. Okay. Let's take, all right, we're going to send it out. Okay. Throw it back in to someone who's near the post. Okay. But they've been pushed off their spots. So now they have to take this mid range shot with three people in their face and there's no, right. Oh, here's here comes a double. What am I going to do? I don't know because we don't have the necessary spacing to make these teams respect us. So I think they're just they're, they need to have some more creative sets offensively to um, to get going here. Um, I, I think it's not impossible for them to to make that happen. I think they've been getting used to having Neck yeah. and Chanae back and Christy um, getting having all three of those players work together and figuring it out. That's a big deal. So it, it's been a lot, and they haven't been tested from a creative perspective, but guess what? If you're relying completely on defense, if you can't score the ball, you're not beating Connecticut. You might as well pack mm. it up and go home. You're not going to beat Minnesota. Minnesota has a better defense than you. You're not going to beat Seattle. You can't, you can't stop Seattle for that long in order to, you know, win a game 64 to 60, 66 to 64. Like you need to be able to create offensively and, you know, I think they 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 could have enough, but from what I've seen, I don't 
think they have enough. And with their schedule, I, I just I'm not sure they're going to be able to to sneak into uh, the playoffs. So yeah. that you I, know, I don't, I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on them, but no, no, it's the truth. I mean, I'm just looking at the box score from last night's game, and only Nia Coffey was in double yeah. figures for a great. career high. 15 a career high 15 for Nia Coffee, but after that, no one else in double figure scoring. And NECA, as we said, three of 11 from the floor, missed her only three, and again, no free throws. So, I mean, it's 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 a conundrum because you know that NECA is going to be drawing the best defense, right? You know that, um, but with her teammates knowing that and understanding that, you know, like you said, you can't keep throwing it in there, you need to relieve her of. Mm-hmm the wall that is surrounding her. I mean, she had three players around her at one point in the first half. And I was like, wow, I mean, there's nowhere she can go. Like, she, you know, it was just really great um, coverage by Washington, but somebody else is going to have to be, um, you know, even, and not necessarily regarding sets per se, or, uh, you know, throw out what they're doing offensively. I mean, plays break down. Mm-hmm. more often than they are executed cleanly. Okay, so let's get that clear. Um, you have all the sets, and I, I, as a coach, tell my team, hey, look, we're going to run this set, but if it breaks down, we need to set some ball screens. We need to continue to attack. We can't just, like you said, settle for this contested fadeaway falling on the ground mid-ranger. Like, okay, there are other things that you can do with proper spacing, period. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, you can have the, the thickest playbook in the world and you get through the first action and they cover that up. They take away your second counter action. And now mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Shot clock's under 10. What are you going to do? How do you stay disciplined in that moment when you did call a play, they took the options away, and now you have to make a proper basketball IQ read and, mm-hmm. and that's not a shady comment right there. I'm just saying, like, you've got to, as the person or the, the four people without the ball, you have to make a choice in a split second to how you can help the team score on that possession. Yeah. And it's not going to be to take a contested fader um, from three. I, I think there are better options um, that you can come up with in under 10 seconds on the shot clock when you're out of your system. I'm air quoting. When you're out of your system, when you're out of your offensive set, you have to have something to fall back on. And and they have to be all on the same page with that, or you're not going to get anything, which LA didn't get much in that first half when when plays broke down. Mm-hmm. You know, they just settled for whatever was happening at that time. Well, let me try this. We're down big. So let me just chuck it up there. And that's what it looked like. And I was like, wow, I think I said it twice. I was like, that's not a good decision. Mm-hmm. on the shots and and it's not a play that's not a play call that's not on on Derek you know that's you know the players need to take some ownership as well like the coaches will take the ownership they will fall on the sword when the team loses and when the team wins they push that all to the team coaches worth their salt they do that right but yeah. Derek Fisher can't spoon feed them the play breaks down. He's not going to be like, you go over here, you go over here. And there's 10 seconds yeah. left. <laughs> you have to, you have to understand. you got to figure it out. Yeah. And I wonder. I mean, you got to figure it out. Nobody's going to give you anything. I wonder if getting the ball in Christy Tolliver's hands, you know, is she, I mean, we've seen the point guard 
experiment with Christy Tolliver in, 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 in here in DC and in LA kind of go, right. it, it goes, it goes right and wrong sometimes. I think just like she provides a bit of the magic. You need magic. You need, you need some yeah. like, just like, just do anything. Like, it, whether whether it's good or bad, just to just to try some stuff and try something that's crazy. Take a thirty foot or whatever, you know, to just to get the 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 wheels going, um, because it, the offense is it, uh, and you know, not to be un, well, it is mean, but it's true. They're running the clogged toilet offense, um, and their defense is fantastic. So that's what's been keeping them in this playoff race. And I think it it could keep that it'll keep them in the playoff race until the end of the season, uh, depending on how what happens in this stretch that they have here, which is. It ain't fun. It ain't fun. It's not going to be a fun. It's not going to be a fun uh, week here for uh, the Los Angeles Sparks. Um, but we should move on because we have to get to the rest of the teams on the list. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to New York. Sound good? All right. Yeah, All right. that's good for me. Here are the vital signs for New York. Uh, negative six net rating, the 10th best in the WNBA. 94.9 offensive rating, again, 10th best in the WNBA. 100.9 uh, defensive rating, 8th best in WNBA. They've lost their last two. They play Phoenix tonight. Then they play Phoenix again uh, at Minnesota, at Seattle, at Dallas, at Connecticut. Like a home Oof. for D.C. last game of the season. That is rough. Friends, that is not yeah. the kind of schedule you want to play, especially when your offense is struggling, and especially with Sammy Whitcomb out for 10 to 14 days. Uh, I'm guessing that would mean she's going to be back sometime next week. So, like mm-hmm. se- uh, September 7th, maybe the 11th. Um, um, I wasn't looking at the right schedule, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, the 11th or the 15th probably is when they're they're going to have a return for Sammy Whitcomb. And I just don't know if they have enough spacing, really, um, without without Sammy on the floor, because uh, she's yeah. been tremendous. And really, the, the free the free agent signings in New York have been have worked out great. Laney has been fantastic. Howard yep. has been hurt, but she, when she's played, she's been really really solid. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this team because again, like I mentioned at the top, like another team integrating crucial pieces that they thought was going to be, you know, a giant piece of this team late in the right. season with Tasha Howard. And, you know, what, how do you, how do you integrate something like that in such a quick fashion, especially when you have another player going down? Um, yeah. You know, so it, it is, it is kind of, it, it's going to be a tough road for them without Sammy. Uh, I think my biggest question for this team though, is who, who's in the front court, Next to Natasha Howard and Benajah Laney, if those are your, oh, if I was going to say Laney. <laughs> I yeah, you were just Laney, say Laney, Laney's a wing. Yeah. Laney is a wing. She's a two-three rather than a three-four. Um, right. Anya Wede is more of a four, but she she's not. You can you can pick her off and pick and roll. So they're leaving. You know, I think Anya Wede is going to be very good. She's a rookie though. You're leaving someone who's vulnerable in that four spot. Pretty much, however you cut this roster. So right. I just, you know, it, it, they need a little bit more connectiveness on defense, although defense is good, as I mentioned with their defense rating. And then offense, yeah. you know, you, you got to you, you need more from Sabrina Nescu. And I, it's asking a lot from a second year player and she's done a lot 
uh, this year, but you need more from her. You need a player who started the season out like gangbusters and she got injured and it's kind of been quiet. It's been a quiet few months here for Sabrina and she's not um, leading this team in in offense the way we thought. So uh, how would you assess New York and specifically Sabrina this season? Well, I think, you know, for New York, I mean, like um, Mike Tebow said prior to uh, the L.A. game last night that, you know, the difference between the top four or five teams and the rest of the teams is that those top four or five teams haven't had injury issues. They haven't had major injury issues and players in and out of the lineup. Right. So sorry, Chrissy. I think they oh, there's breaking news. No, New York is 11 and 14 and they are in, uh, sorry, I forgot to say, I forgot to say their standings. They're in seventh. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. Uh, that, so back. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, we're good. But, um, Coach Tebow said the difference in the, those top four or five teams mm-hmm. and, and the rest of the teams in the league is that they haven't had players in and out of the lineup as much as, as they have, you know, and, and mm-hmm. not, and that's not like a violin, not like a baby violin with my thumb and, and forefinger. That's the truth. And when you can have continuity of players on the floor, like you said, Howard was out. Anescu was out. I mean, now Wickham is out. So it's just like this rotating injury list. And that's frustrating. Um, so, and, and that's tough. And that's just the fact of the matter. That's not a, a whining kind of statement. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. Okay. And I think for Sabrina in general, I mean, she only played two and a half games last year as a rookie. And, and she was quite dynamic when she did play as, as a, a first-year player. So I'm, I'm still calling this her rookie year. And I don't know if I'm alone in that. I mean, I don't think she had enough time on the floor last year to go ahead and call this her sophomore season, although the calendar flipped. So yeah. I, I just think for Sabrina, in terms of her experience on the court, she's a rookie. And she's still learning how to um, compete in this league. And even with that, she's averaging almost 11 a game and six assists and and six boards and shooting it, you know, 36, 37 from the three point line, I believe. And so this is a player who is, is learning on the fly, um, who has the, um, who has the idea obviously of, of what the league is about now after having uh, a ton of games in this year as compared to last but I still think there's a learning curve for her. Um, you saw that that massive block that Brittany Sykes had on her when LA played New York um, to tie it from three. And, you know, it's, you know, those kinds of things, I think for her, those kinds of situations for her, that's not going to turn her away. No. That's going to fire her up. Like she's a player that she was denied that way that's going to put another ember on the, on the fire. Like that's going to throw another log on the fire. I mean, and so I'm not overly concerned about her not averaging 20 and and 10 assists or something like that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she is um, pretty much on pace and doing what she's supposed to be doing. If you, if you count this as her first year rather than her second. Yeah, I guess, but the house of cards is built upon her being a star. You know, it, they, they right. need her to be um, the player that it's great expectations that look, Hey, it's probably too much, but this is the way the world works. The house, the house that the Liberty are building is built upon Sabrina Nescu being a superstar. 
And, yeah. you know, she's playing fine and she's coming along well, but she need, you know, we, she, they need more from her and they, they need her truly, truly what, what needs to happen though, is they need a limit. She needs to limit her turnovers. Um, because I think if they were getting, if they were getting what she was giving her without as many turnovers, she has 3.1 a game right now, then right. You, you could live, right. You could live, but it would, with the way the rest of the team turns the ball over as well, you look at Laney, who's having a great season, but 3.9 turnovers a game. Natasha Howard, 3.3 turnovers a game. This team ranks, I'm going to say 12th in, uh, I just saw it. Yeah, 12th in turnover rate and turnover oh, screens. Okay. So they they hemorrhage the ball. So that that's really like, I need you, I need Sabrina to be really efficient, at least. I need, really, yeah. in the in the future, she needs to be a superstar you know, fully leader of the team. But for now, if she's just a little bit more efficient, taking care of the ball a little bit more, I, yes, we're, I'm, I'm asking too much of her, but I don't think it's unfair <laughs> to ask too much of her. Um, and, you know, this team's still building. Like, this isn't a – I think for Washington mm-hmm. and L.A., it's a little bit more urgent to get into the playoffs um, because mm-hmm. those two teams are older. They're, they're built a little bit more for the now. New York is still built for the future. Laney's coming back next year. Howard's coming back next year. What come the whole basically the entire team is coming back next year if they want them to. So that that to me though, I, I'm circling Sabrina, someone that needs to be better. Um, I'm not sure you can ask much more. Like that's the thing. I'm just not sure who you can ask more from. Maybe it's Natasha Howard, but she's only played in six games. <laughs> it's right. tough to it's tough to really evaluate what she's doing, but we'll see. Because they if she can if she can fix some of their rebounding problems, because um, they're they're uh, dead last in offensive rebounds per game, uh, dead uh, tenth in total rebound rate. So if she can help that, then maybe they have a chance to to win some games and put put a little streak together here to get into the playoffs. Uh, if they can't yeah. and they continue to turn the ball over and they just act, they they have a, this vibe of a very young team and they are, well, it's good for the future. But for the now, I'm just not I'm, – I'm not seeing how this team really gets from point A to the playoffs. Um, am All I being right. a little too yeah. negative? Or? You know, it's – I mean, I, I hate saying this all the time, but I – I think it, it's all based upon who is healthy. Like yeah. is, can they get Wickham back? Can they, you know, it's, and for Howard, I mean, she has played in those six games, but she's had a, a double double in the last time out yeah. and she scored more than 10 in all six of those games. So, I mean, she's a reliable piece, obviously. And the way she started the season before she got hurt, I was like, Oh man, New York, like, Oh boy, with her playing that way. Oh, oof. It was scary looking. And then she went out with that knee injury right before um, the Olympic break. I think she only played, what, two games before mm-hmm. she got hurt? And yeah. so um, it, it's, it just kind of remains to be seen whether or not they can come together. And like you said, you know, that chemistry piece has a lot to do with why the ball is being turned over the way it is. Yeah. And so they just need to all be on the floor at the same time. And I think if they can get that piece, and I, I, that's for me, I think that's asking a lot because that's, yeah. you know, that's such a, you know, an intangible, but I think for, for New York, I think they have the pieces in place, but I think they all have to be on the floor at the same time. So we can really evaluate and, and tell what they could become. And if they could possibly make a strong run here towards the playoff uh, atmosphere, um, for every game and, and all of that. So 
that didn't make sense what I said. I'll make a run <laughs> for the playoff push. I was yes. saying like every game has to have a playoff atmosphere. I kind of meshed my two thoughts, but I, I think they have it. I think they can do it. Um, and I don't think you're being a, a Debbie Downer with it. I think it is frustrating right now, um, but I don't think that that's the end of their story. No, I think no. they have. I think they have something to prove, and I think they have the competitive wherewithal. Healthy, they have the competitive wherewithal. If they're healthy, um, to be able to make that strong push. Yeah, and and just to mention one more injury, it, like Jocelyn Willoughby being out this season, right? That that has been such a huge factor for this team because Michaela Onyeweda is great. You rather have her coming off the bench because Willoughby yeah. is exactly what they need at the four, um, and it's just it's just a killer for her to come back, uh, for her to be injured with that torn Achilles before the season even started. Um, because right. I was really, really excited here. So it, it is an injury issue, um, and this team again built for the future, not built for this year. So if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's not like the end of the world. But right, right. It, it is. I, I think they um, they set their expectations a little higher when they had that big open to the season. So we'll see what happens yeah. with New York. Uh, I, I don't. I you know to me, I'm not. It, it's not like the sky is falling if they don't make the playoffs, like I mentioned. So we'll see where they are. Uh, shall we move over to Dallas? Potentially the shall most we? interesting team in the W. I potentially the most interesting team in WNBA, and I don't talk enough about them because I'm always so confused yeah. about what like what to say because there's so many things going on. So they are ten and fourteen <laughs> right now. That is that puts them in eighth place, clinging to that last playoff spot. Uh, their net rating is negative point six, which is the seventh best in the WNBA. They have the third best offensive rating in the WNBA at 101.3 points per 100 possessions. They have the ninth worst defense at 101.9 defensive rating. They have, let me make sure I'm reading the right thing. Excel, thank you. Uh, so they have, they lost to Indiana, a game that I have many thoughts on. Uh, then they go at DC, they play DC twice. They have Atlanta, they have Connecticut, New York, Vegas. LA to end the season going to be a big game at the end of the season against LA. So not, not the hardest schedule amongst these teams. So hope there for Dallas, but you can't be dropping games to Indiana this late in the season. I like Indiana. Indiana's a frisky team. They got a lot of, they have a lot of grizzled vets on that team. So Hey, hey look, yeah. this is not, this is not a shot necessarily at Indiana. Although it is, it's, it is a shot at Indiana. Who am I kidding? Um, but the, the thing is, if okay. Dallas, if you're going to make the playoffs, you need to win that game. You need to yeah. beat the teams that you are supposed to beat. And I, it's just like, it's infuriating with this team sometimes because they have so much talent and they have, they have Arike Gumbawale, who to me is like one of the stars in this league. They have Satu Sabale, who's been hurt. And I'm not sure she's coming back this year, but right. you have, you have a, such a good foundation. And you have it's just like this hodgepodge, and, and it doesn't. It, it like they have a lot of good players. It just doesn't super fit yet. And I, right. I just I wonder how much longer we're gonna have to wait for Dallas to get together. Um, so I don't know. I mean, tell me something good about <laughs> Dallas because to me, I'm just I'm just frustrated because I again, it, it's. I just have more expectations for them than they've been able to hit this year. Well, you know, for me, 
I, I mean, here we go again with my health um, comment. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, with Satu Sable, I mean, she just makes such a big difference for them. It's like, I, I, I hate that she's injured right now. But I think the way that Dallas has lost some close games, not just the Indiana game, but the way that they have lost a lot of games down the stretch, I think that's a concern. Um, but with that being said, this is a team that just missed the playoffs last year by one game or a half game. It was like they, they almost made the playoffs last year with one of the youngest rosters in the league. Um, not making excuses for them, but, you know, I always try to see. The, <laughs> <laughs> I always try to see, like, what what is really happening there. I mean, they're, they're super young, honestly. Um, and, and not to say they're a team full of rookies, but if you I don't know on the Her Hoop Stats website if they have like who the youngest team is in the league i don't know if it's between them and new york but i think no, dallas is is right I think, there i think dallas is younger. That, i don't right? i don't have the number in front of me but they have like 18 rookies on this team so um, exactly they yeah. have they have they're to be yeah but they're super young and you know it's all about at this juncture of the season gabe you know it's all about the the consistent play and it's all about closing games and like Mm -hmm. you said they have to beat who they're supposed to beat like in terms of where the standings say they are but all of that doesn't matter if you go out and and you don't play the right way you don't play consistently the right way and that means always take the the great shot not just the good shot always um, get a body on somebody and box out and I think um, for this Dallas team, I mean, I think those possessions that they miss because of their rebounding issues, I, I just think that that does them in. I mean, those yeah. possessions kill you. Um, I, I know I love Kayla Thornton. I love her energy when she spent some time with the Mystics, got to see her close up and impersonal. But she, I just think they need, I don't know, there's like a, you know, like an ace bandage, you know, when you're like, yeah. you're trying to keep everything together. Like they just need that. Like they're there, but it's just, it's kind of a little bit all over the place in terms of what their personality and identity is. And I think they just need to be wrapped up and like, if they can wrap themselves up and say definitively, this is who we are. This is the kind of team we are. This is our personality and this is what we're going to um, this is what we're going to present on a consistent basis. I think you know they could change things. I mean, they've lost five of the last six games, mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of those games were were super close. You know, um, a lot of those a lot of those losses in this in this segment of games um, outside of the Connecticut game that that got away from them. But two or three possessions, you're talking two or three rebounds, two or three better shots. Uh, you know, so I think it's just a couple of those little things that they can clean those up. It can make a world of difference for them and trust and believe as this stretch of games comes up for, for Dallas, they're going to remember that they missed it by a half game or a game last year. Mm-hmm. And that's going to add some fuel too. So, you know, outside of the tactical evaluations that we're doing, I mean, it's a mental test for them as well, that we're going to be gauging and, and how much of that frustration of missing the playoffs last year is going to play into them wanting it more this year. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think 
What is it? Is this even the same team though? Like that. This is the thing. Is like, yeah. yeah. I, to, I don't. I just don't. If you're not going to play the rookies, and they're not, they're not playing my girl Chelsea Dungey. Maybe that's why I'm mad at this team. Um, we all know. <laughs> we all know. We all know. I love Chelsea Dungey. Yeah, Woo Pig. We haven't talked about Destiny Slocum enough on this podcast, and we will rectify that in the playoffs. But <laughs> play my girl Chelsea Dungey. Play the rookies. It and see what happens, but. Now you've you've kind of set your you put yourself in this corner of like okay we didn't really play the rookies this year but we're trying to get to the playoffs you're trying to get to the playoffs so you got to get to the you got to get to the freaking playoffs right like I'm not going to give you the excuse that New York has of New York's building for for next year or whatever all right all right like Dallas, Dallas to me if you're going to tell me okay this year we're making the playoffs we're going to intentionally not you know give enough give that much time to our rookies to in order to make the playoffs then you better freaking right. make the playoffs. And I think the two <laughs> the two big problems for me, um, well, so one, I have a pet project of like trying to have Enrique play a little bit like Giannis Antetokounmpo does, where nice. he, he, you know, she'll, she would get the rebound and take off down the court. When she does that in transition, she's yeah. so strong. Yeah. She's, and yeah. she can pull up from anywhere and she's just, it, it, you know, she, she's just such a scorer, right? Like she's going to find a way to get a bucket in transition. So that's what I want to see her do more. They're ninth in possessions per game this year. So I think that's something that if they could figure out a way to just box out and kind of do the, the Russell Westbrook, James, maybe it's Russell Westbrook that I'm actually thinking of, but the Russell Giannis <laughs> thing of those two getting the ball and taking off down court, I think that would be hugely beneficial. But then the other thing is just being more organized on defense in that Indiana game. There was just yeah. times where, you know, it, it wouldn't even be that hard of a cut. Like, Daniel Robinson would just kind of saunter behind somebody on the baseline, and whoever it was was not paying attention, and then it's an easy bucket right at the rim. And, right. you know, stuff like that kills you as a coach. It does. I'm, it does. I, know Vicky, I know Vicky Johnson's losing her mind about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, and and it, it's just like the defense is – extremely disorganized. It leads them fouling a lot. Um, they are what they're 12th in foul rate. So they're dead last in foul rate. They foul all the time. They let teams get to the line. And it just opens you up to losing a game like Indiana. It equalizes you despite having the superior talent. Um, so, right. you know, to a certain extent, again, getting used to it, injuries without Sabli, hopefully she comes back this year. Um, they're, they're a different team with her on the floor. But I don't know. I, I just like with Dallas, I, 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 ex, I expect more from them. If you're telling me that we can only play, you know, the only rookie currently playing really any minutes is Charlie Collier, right. the first overall pick. Um, and so you have a walk here and Chelsea Dungy almost not playing at all. And so if you're going to do that, it's great. But make sure you make sure you're 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 setting yourself up for success, um, right? And we'll see. Their schedule is a little bit more favorable than some of the other teams. And I think when you have a Rike, you have a Rike, right? So when you have right. when you have Landeldon, you have Landeldon. When you have Neka Gumake, right? Like these things work. When you have a really good player, right. it can it makes a lot of things makes a lot of things work better. Um, but for Dallas, I, I think there's some areas around the margins. Where they can where they can really improve. Do you want to talk about Maria Mabry really quick because she's had a tremendous I, you know season? What? I, was, I, 
I yeah. just I was just gonna say that. See, that's why we're a good team, Gabe. That's why we're a good Tell team. You. We're a good team because I was gonna say, you know, she may be the missing piece, like you know, like in terms sure. of being that consistent, complimentary player to her roommate from Notre Dame, Arike mm-hmm. Gumbawale. I mean, those two have such great chemistry together. They just have to, you know, utilize her more in, in terms of um, having consistent touches for her. I mean, I'm just looking at, I just pulled up her stats, like right before you said her name. And I'm just looking at, you know, the last four games, because I always look at trends, like what is mm-hmm. what is going on with this particular player? And, you know, and, and going back to... Well, I guess let's go from the last three games. Okay. So the last game before the Olympic break, she was 0 for 4 and and didn't score at all Um, and played significant minutes, like over 10 minutes. So in the last three games, like she's had eight points, five points in the the last game, 18. So how can we get Mabry to be 15 a night? Like, I mean, I'm just looking at our numbers just straight up and down, like two points and then 24 points. Like there's just such a discrepancy in terms of her production. Um, and in the game, she had two points. She was one for eight. So it's not that she's like not on the floor. She's on the floor. But what is it about her that is not consistent? Like what, why is she not as consistent? What, what is taking away from her consistency? I think she feeds off. I mean, she she's a she's a catch and shoot, um, not 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 strictly right. There are players who are strictly catch and shoot three point shooters. She does a lot, but I think that when when this team is at its best, yeah. she should ideally be catching and shooting, cutting, you know, um, trying to. It, it, she she should be more of a not an ancillary piece. Cause I don't think that's necessarily what I'm trying to say. She should be someone who benefits from Arike, from Satu getting to the rim, from Alicia right. Gray getting to the rim, from post-ups, from Biggs getting double teams, right? Like, that's how she's going to get her points. So I think because this team has been inconsistent at all of the other things, it kind of makes her right. production inconsistent, despite her shooting really, really well. Uh, 36% mm-hmm. from three on 5.8 threes per game. Whoa, Arike yeah. is shooting 37% on 6.4 threes per game? Gosh, She's incredible. She's <laughs> just incredible. Sorry, back back to Marina. Um, yeah, like yeah. So I think yeah. In the in the best configurations of this team, she's not someone who's going to consistently be you know fifteen points a game. She's going to be someone who's consistently making all of her threes. She's someone who's consistently not turning the ball over. She's someone who's consistently playing hard defense and not fouling at the very least. Um, right. Cause she's not like going to be a plus defender, but she's kind of a negative defender at the moment. She is fouling 2.4 times a game. So um, that that's where it is for Marina. I think is not, she, she's more of a, a person who plays off of other people. And then the question is, so without Satsu and it's tough, you need a little bit more from Alicia girl. I, 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 we've seen her do it. We've seen her do it at a big stage and she has this confidence and she can tell she's 100% capable Yep. So I just need, I need a little bit more from her. And then now that'll, that'll make other things make sense. I need a little bit more from Kayla Thor. I need a little bit more from our drivers um, to, mm-hmm. to get in the lane. And you know who could help? Chelsea freaking Dungey. <laughs> I knew you were That's, say that. She does all of I those knew things. That was, I knew it. 
it's true though. It's true. She needs, you know, she needs to get out there and just, just see Like sometimes, you know, as a coach, it's, it's what's happening in practice that mm-hmm. keeps players out. And obviously we're not privy to what's going on at practices, but for me, and all coaches are different. So I'm not saying this is the, the law, but for me, if you're in practice and you are competitive, you are, you know, not just there as uh, a scout team player, mm-hmm. you are not settling for that. You're fighting to get yourself on the floor. And not to say that Chelsea Dungey is not doing it, but for me, I'm going to trust that same kind of competitive spirit in a game. So for me, your playing time is in practice. Your playing time isn't the minutes played per game. Your playing time happens before that. Right. Your playing time happens so I'm comfortable and your teammates are comfortable with you being on the floor, you playing within the, the game plan and within the philosophy of the, of the team, the coach. And not to say that you have to be perfect, but there's, there's a level of comfort that coaches have to have. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of siding with the coach on this because <laughs> I, I, I know it. and it's frustrating. And the thing about it is as a coach, I want you to play. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I'm not, there's never anything personal. If you don't get it on the floor, it's never because I don't like who you are as a human. Okay. I love you. I want the best for you. I want you to help the team. But if you're not doing that, guess where you're not going? In the game, man. I I can't do it. I can't do it. And I still love you, though. But I I love winning, too. And I'm not going to, um, you know, jeopardize or compromise the integrity of of the rest of the team because I just want to see something. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't want to just see something. I want to see something in practice. I'm not going to just let me see something during the game. And cost us, a, you know, these close games. I just told you Dallas is playing all these close games. I'm going to put you in the game to see something. And, and these one possession games, then that could be that one possession that didn't go well or something didn't get executed properly. And I saw it in practice, but I figured, let me just let you try it in the game. And now look, no, no, no. You got to show me ahead of time, period. And, you know, move forward. And Chelsea Dungy has it or she wouldn't be in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how hard it is. We've talked about that, how hard it is to make a team in the league. So she's already a thousand times ahead of, of a lot of people who would be clamoring to even have a roster spot. And I'm not saying settle, like I told you, never settle, but also prove it in practice. That's that's yeah. the bottom line. I know. At some point, it's also like, <laughs> just see what, like, really, like, this should have happened at the beginning. Just This should have happened at the beginning of the year for me. Yeah. It's like, we gotta see what we got. We gotta we gotta roll yes. her out there. Give her give her fifteen minutes in the game that and, and yeah. see what happens. Now it is a little too late for her and a Waku year to get big minutes. Um, yeah, no, la- yeah. Last thing, last thing on Chelsea Dundry. So they, okay. Dallas's free throw rate is a uh, ninth in the league. One of the best uh, foul drawers in the country last year was Chelsea Dundry. Last thing I'm gonna say about Chelsea Dundry on this podcast. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. We've already gone over an hour. Um, oh no. Okay. Yeah, let's let's uh, quickly hit on uh, Indiana, Atlanta. No shade to uh, actually, whatever you guys can take shade to this because it, it's been a rough time for both these teams. Atlanta's at six yeah. and eighteen; they are eleventh in the WNBA. Uh, Indiana's five and eighteen; uh, they are twelfth 
in the WNBA standings right now. Here are the vital signs for Atlanta. Their net rating is negative 9.1, which is 11th. Their offensive rating is 96.3, which is ninth. They have the worst defense by, by net rating in the WNBA, giving up 105.3 points per 100 possessions. Uh, and Indiana, negative 12 um, net rating, which is bad. If you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice, that is dead last in WNBA. 92.3 uh, offensive rating, 11th worst in WNBA, 104.3 defensive rating, 11th worst in the WNBA. Um, Atlanta's lost nine straight. Indiana has won one. I think Indiana's a little bit friskier of these two teams, just to kind of yeah. put them together. Indiana's a friskier. They actually have vets. Um, they have a team, um, which is interesting considering where this team is in, in their development as a franchise, that they have all of these uh, veteran players. But it does lend themselves to getting upsets like they got against Dallas. Um, but it's also been injuries. It's been a tough, tough hang just generally for Indiana yeah. this year. Um, but they haven't given up, and, and that's something you got to give no. credit to Marion Stanley for and to Mika Catchings, um, that they don't give up, they work hard, um, and they're they're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. Atlanta, on the other hand, um, just a bit listless. You know, just just not a lot, not a lot of energy um, in the past nine yeah. games. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better for them. Uh, they play Las Vegas next. <laughs> Tough, tough, uh, tough for uh, our our, la- our ladies there in Atlanta. Also, their best player is still suspended um, with Kennedy Carter out. And Kaiser Gondrasic, I should have mentioned, Indiana, she's out for personal reasons um, still, I believe. So, uh, yeah, yeah, anything on, anything on these two teams? I mean, um, I'm going to start backwards from where you were. I'm going to start with Atlanta. We were just talk- you were just talking about them. I mean, nine straight losses. I mean, that could do damage to your morale. No question about it. But also to have Kennedy Carter out. Wow. And then Darius Taylor, God bless him. I mean, God bless him. He came on board as an assistant coach. (laughs) And then, you know, with all of the changes there, he's moved over twice on the seats on the bench to now being the interim head coach for the dream. And I, I, you know, he's such a great guy. I know him a little bit and you know, his wife, Joni is the head coach at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel that he it's such a, I mean, if someone just said, Hey Gabe, here you go. Here's the Atlanta dream. Go ahead and, and drive, drive the team. Just go ahead and drive away. Here are the keys that go ahead and drive. And you're like, you know, when you get in a rental car, it's like, Oh man, where are all the buttons? Right. That's for me. <laughs> like you go travel somewhere. You're like in my car, if the button is here, but I go to reach because of, you know, my muscle memory is like telling me that the gear shift is here, but it's up by the wheel. I'm like, Oh snap, this is all different. So there are all these adjustments that you have to make on the fly immediately and not just make the adjustments, but win. And that's tough too. So I, you know, I kind of feel for him um, yeah, God bless in, him. in that situation, just sitting in this, rental van and like trying to find all how to unlock the doors and I, you know, or lock the doors if you will. But I think it's just, uh, it's a challenge to say the least. I mean, just to have a new staff, number one, but then 
to have all of the changes that have happened in the inner workings in the locker room and Kennedy Carter, I, I mean, what a detriment to her career. Not if she doesn't come back for the rest of the season, like, wow, that's, that's a huge chunk of her story. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. I, I just think that, I mean, that's so, I mean, that's so sad. And I don't know, again, the, the specifics on, on the uh, suspension or they said indefinite, but we don't know how many games, but I, I just hope that, that she is doing okay because I know how much she loves the game. And, and I, I just hope that she can sooner than later, make it back to the court um, with a better understanding of expectations and, and having the proper discipline. I get it. Um, but for Indiana, I mean, Kelsey Mitchell, I mean, yeah, <laughs> she is, she is, she is a toughie. And I, I love watching her since um, she was a player at Ohio state, but just to, to see her um, continuing to evolve with teams, knowing what she's going to do and still present what she presents on the court. I, I think that is um, admirable for her. You know, I love Marianne Stanley and I know that's a challenge for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants the team to win. She knows, I, mean, I heard her say after that, that game um, recently that they just won over Dallas that, you know, we're going to fight hard regardless, you know, and that's what you want. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning. We were talking about the mystics, you know, it, it's not the record necessarily, although you want to win, but it's how you play. It's not necessarily the win column or the loss column. Are you competing to the best of your ability? Is the bottom line. And I think, you know, if we can look at it that way, that kind of solves a lot of, um, I don't know, solves a lot of inquisitive thoughts, I guess is the best way to say right. that. I have very few inquisitive thoughts about both these teams. We'll, we'll pick them up next. I did want to say that. Shouts to Michael Peterson for uh, essentially being the captain of Titanic. And then as soon as they hit the iceberg, just tossing the keys to whoever was next to him. I was like, all right, buddy, you're, you're in charge now. Good luck. We just oh, hit the iceberg. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so God, God bless you, Darius Taylor. You are trying. Yeah. Um, it's it's trying. not. It, it's hey that's all you can do at this point um this and and atlanta is gonna look i mean atlanta may just have like just completely new team next year pretty much everyone's an, an unrestricted free agent so we'll talk about them more in free agency um when we get there uh but just a real real tough hang the atlanta dream and the indiana fever um if you're a fan of either of those teams i hope you have a good hobby doing something <laughs> <laughs> you know? They'll get it. And see me, I'm like, they'll be all right. They're gonna be okay. You know? They'll be all right next but, season. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll be all right when they'll, this season ends. <laughs> they'll get it. Oh, uh, they'll, but, they'll be all right. They'll, they'll as, keep fighting. They'll keep fighting. As as my friend, <laughs> see my uh, as our friend Tony Stark <laughs> says at the beginning of Avengers Endgame, part of the journey is the end. Luckily for Indiana and Atlanta, that is true. Part of the journey will be the end, and they will have a very nice, shiny draft pick at the end of this. Um, although knowing Indiana's luck, like Indiana's going to get the fourth pick somehow in the lottery, and we'll end up with oh. like Los Angeles having the number one pick and taking Ryan Howard. But that's for a, a different day um, when we talk <laughs> about the draft and free agency. Right. Um, so that's that's all I got, Christy. Uh, it took us yeah. it took us two podcasts, it, um, but we got yeah. through all twelve teams. Um, 
I don't think we're going to probably do this again by the end of the year because the end of the year is rapidly approaching. It's right there. Um, we really, we only have what it's the 25th of August. The season ends on the 19th of September. So yeah. not less than a month left of the season. And then we have the month of the playoffs. So that's all I got, Christy. All right. Now that's all for me too. But wow. I mean, courtside, they're cutting the lights off. They're saying we don't have to go home, but we got to get up out of here. But oh my goodness, as always, Love chopping it up with you, my friend. And we are looking forward to seeing you guys at some Mystics games. But we're also looking forward to you joining us again on our next episode of Courtside with Christy and Gabe right here on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. Bye-bye.